Hello, I'm Jacob Jarvis and this is Start Your Week. And well, it looks set to be a busy one. Here at The Bunker, we're going seven days a week and our sister podcast, Oh God What Now, goes twice weekly. So make sure you tune in for this and many other bumper weeks. First up on the podcast agenda is our ever-reliable Monday morning news forecast for the days ahead. Joining me bright and early is the lusciously voiced news oracle and bunker favourite that is Alex Andrew. Morning, Alex. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get the compliments in early on a Monday morning. <laughs> Keep you happy. <laughs> so last week, uh, Truss tried to pour water onto the, I, I don't actually know how to describe it anymore, sort of smouldering bin fire <laughs> that is her, her premiership. She got rid yeah. of Kuateng and she appointed every newsreader's nightmare uh, let me make sure I get this right first off. Jeremy Hunt as Chancellor. Has that has that worked whatsoever? Um, in some ways, yes. In other ways, no. Um, I mean, the, the British economy required basically triage. Uh, if you imagine it severely injured being taken into A&E, well, at least this has in a way, stop the bleeding. It hasn't mm. sta- stabilized the patient. This After week, an eight-hour wait. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This week comes the surgery, and that is a really tricky bit. So they've made all the right noises. We now know that Jeremy Hunt will make a statement this morning and then this afternoon to Parliament. That's because mm. Parliament sits slightly later on a Monday, and I think... He wants to basically get his statement in mid-morning to calm markets because, let's not forget, the Bank of England has said that today it is stopping buying those guilds. And so there are several things happening this morning that had government afraid that there might be another sell-off, another tumble. And Mm. so Hunt is stepping in to sort of make a statement to calm spirits. But like I said, the the tricky stuff, the surgery stuff comes in the next few weeks. On that surgery, what does it look like he's going to do sort of tangibly differently to what's happened so far? There's very little to go on, but the the scuttlebutt that I'm hearing from my contacts is that he will cancel or at least defer the drop in the basic rate of income tax. The national insurance reversal will stay because that's already gone through Parliament. Um, there's already been a reversal sort of in rhetoric on the corporation tax, so he will probably firm that up. And I imagine he will announce a series of cuts, not specific yet, but certainly in principle, he will say that departments need to find savings, etc., etc. So it's basically a reversing of various things that cost money and giving a notion of what where money will come from in terms of cuts and stuff like that. The the point is that power in Downing Street is now with number 11. Trust is not in charge in any meaningful way. With the cuts you mentioned, I mean, is this just going to be, you know, Osbonite, austerity 2.0, basically? Yeah, it is. And wrongly so. I mean, austerity was the wrong prescription then, and it is still the wrong prescription. Now what's required is stimulus because we're going into a period of recession. And and there's a further danger, I think, that that we will now get a frit 
chancellor or a series of frit chancellors sort of breathlessly watching markets afla- afraid to include any borrowing or anything innovative or any any spending in their plans but it wasn't just borrowing that scared markets right it was the lack of any cogent plan it was the fantasy element if if trust and quarting had shown how this borrowing would actually boost growth markets would have cheered hmm. which is i think Another reason why, why this can only be cauterized really with a general election. I think a popular mandate is the only thing that can now give any government authority. You mentioned the power dynamic shifting there and Hunt seeming to you know, be PM in all but name, really. Has hmm. Trust made a sort of you know, Faustian bargain here, really? Um, I don't know that she's made any kind of bargain. I don't know that she was in a position to. I think she's been told this is what you need to do. And part of what she needs to do is to stay there and continue to take the flack um, so that Jamie Hunt can basically get on with trying to repair the damage. I mean, this is called uh, the masochism strategy in political science, by the way. <laughs> so when things have gone very, very badly wrong, the only way to turn them around is to actually stand there and take it. We saw it with Johnson around Partygate, right? Do you remember Mm. those ghastly pool interviews where he would just sit there, eyes down, sighing, going... Sort of naughty schoolboy. Yeah, 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 you know, I I apologise to the Queen. It's it's ghastly, you know. Effectively, the theory is that if you stand there and take it for as long as possible... Public opinion eventually begins to shift mm. into pitying you, into thinking, oh, why are they going after her? Okay, and it worked with Johnson for a time. Mm. This is exactly what happened. The problem with Truss is that from the Friday press conference, she's rubbish at doing that. She can't <laughs> take it. She she took four questions and they were so aggressive that she just turned around and walked out of the room. So I, I don't know what happens next. <laughs> yeah, she looks like a sort of, I don't know, a, a sort of anxiety nightmare mm. come true. Mm. It looks yes. like, you know, she's, I was at She's there. like a stress dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a stress dream being made reality. <laughs> With this, though, it does seem, you know, her cabinet ministers seem to be somewhat rallying around her. You know, on Friday, Kemi Badnock came out to say, it's been a difficult day. Well, that would be an understatement, she said. And you know, the, <laughs> the Prime Minister is working flat out to get the country through these turbulent times, and she has my full support. I always find it strange when ministers make statements like this, because surely the deal is you either do support the PM as a cabinet minister or you quit. Maybe that's just a bit old-fashioned. <laughs> exactly. No, 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 that's me. exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> but does it, does it look like she's staved off resignations for now? Jav, have you ever played a championship manager? I have. I, I have to ban myself from yeah. playing it, in fact. All right. So, <laughs> so this is pretty much the equivalent of the board meeting and giving their full confidence to the manager when the team is in the relegation zone, right? The, the yeah. message is, you've got one last chance. We don't trust you at all. I mean, Andrew Bridgen, who seems to be able to put this kind of... Uh, He's always the first in putting this <laughs> curse on prime ministers has come out and he's you know told her to go. Is a lot of this dependent on how you know backbenchers 
play out over the next few days? Because if there's a real revolt there, surely people are going to get a little bit more worried. Look, she's done. I mean, trust is done. I don't know whether it happens this week or in two months or after, you know. Uh, 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 there are several danger points ahead. There are a number of by-elections coming because of Johnson's resignations, uh, resignation mm. honours list. Uh, so that will be a pinch point just before Christmas. There are local elections in May. So like I said, if she doesn't go in the next couple of weeks, she will go after those by-election results. She will go after those local election results. She's done. Once rivals start campaigning effectively, yeah. there's no going back, okay? Um, if they had agreed, if they had coalesced around one solution, she'd be gone already, by the way. Yeah. It, it's only the the fact that, as one of the Sundays had it yesterday, there are three separate plots to oust her, that she's still in place. <laughs> had they yeah. basically agreed on one plot to oust her, on one replacement, she would already be gone. Um, so it's just a waiting game. Does Ben Wallace look like he could be that, you know, the the one person that they gravitate around? Does that seem most likely to you? Uh, they'd like to, but, I mean, uh, I have a contact within Wallace's team who told me over the weekend that he has no desire to take over the bridge of the Titanic after yeah. it has, it's hit the iceberg. Um, not only that, there are noises coming from his people this weekend that if the defence budget that he's been promised, because he's been promised the boost mm. to defence spending, if that gets cut, he'll walk out. Because the centre has so little power, you might now get a series of high-profile secretaries of state saying, if you cut my budget, I walk. And Hunt will have to make a determination of what's worse, you know, not being able to cut in particular areas or having a very prominent um, Secretary of State walk out. Wallace might not want the job, but there's one person with kind of quite clear leadership ambitions in the shape of one uh, bunker favourite, to put it in a strangely polite way, Suella Braverman. Uh, what's she up to at the moment with this new public order bill? Well, well that's because Braverman is an idiot, um, <laughs> you know, because no one with half a brain would want the job right now. Anyone would be looking at a sort of five-year plan. Um, yeah. So, yeah, she's trying to push through basically more horrible stuff. She's trying to use the environmental protests as a Trojan horse to go further in giving police dra draconian powers, to trying to outlaw dissent, uh, peaceful demonstrations, etc. cetera. I, I don't think we need to worry much, to be honest. There, were, there was a lot of noises that Braverman was the next one for the chop um, uh, towards the, the latter part of last week. I don't think her position is secure. I think the the Indian deal collapsing especially has hurt her badly. But more generally, I think for this kind of contentious stuff to be pushed through parliament, it requires a strong number 10 and a yeah. strong whipping operation, you know, to, to throw power and capital and goodwill behind it. And there just isn't that at the moment and with that background uh of uh you know the weakness of the government there as well what's going on with the 
Met Police too, which is another problem on Braverman's radar. Uh, there's been a hideous report published that has found basically that hundreds of officers, if not thousands, to be honest, have been getting away with serious misconduct, um, that the internal disciplinary system is effectively racist, misogynist, and systematically flawed, to use the words of the of the actual report. Um, what we're seeing basically is a combination of attitudes which have been identified recently and uh, this pressure to increase police numbers without increasing mm. budget, training, without any recruitment drive. So when you have those two things clashing, it means that people take it easy on already trained, experienced officers, whether mm. they're good or whether they're rotten, because they just can't afford to lose the numbers, right? When in the background of that, you also have incredibly racialized attitudes, incredibly uh, uh, misogynistic attitudes mm -hmm. that lurk under the surface, when those two things come together, it means that effectively only women and people from minorities get punished for misconduct, and the white male officers get away with it. For a final point on the UK, because uh, it's all a little bit depressing, isn't it? Let's be honest. Are you looking forward to PMQs for the for the sort of Schadenfreude, if nothing else? <laughs> I just don't know how she will do it. I mean, if I were Starmer, my first question would be: Should I be? asking you any of this stuff, or should I just direct them to your new chancellor? If she were an even slightly more intelligent person, she would have walked. Um, I think this is one area where her mm. impenetrable denseness is actually an advantage. Moving on from the political spectacle that is the UK, let's look across the pond to the United States. The January 6th committee <laughs> Do has... we have to? <laughs> <laughs> it's very out of the frying pan into the fire, isn't it? <laughs> the January 6th committee has voted to subpoena former President Donald Trump in order to force him to expand upon his knowledge of the capital attack at the start of last year. Whether he wants to or not, does Trump have much option but to oblige this request, Alex? I mean, he could go the Bannon route, but I just can't see the Trump in prison. He will appear. He's been making noises on his truth social um, over the last couple of days that indicate he might be preparing to basically take the fifth on on, it, on everything to say, I'm not, I refuse mm. to answer that. And so we might see a, a, a sort of, a bit of a damp squib in anticipation of a, of a huge box office event might yeah. just be him saying, not to my recollection, and I refuse to answer that question. So we'll see. Is there any chance he might want to, you know, sort of really mouth off go completely the other way because he's mentioned getting his pound of flesh before and we know he's not very uh he's not exactly restrained to to say the least yeah 
I mean, he's not stupid, right? He understands this. Mm. And his lawyers <laughs> will have been telling him this nonstop and will yeah. keep telling him this non. This is literally the thing that he will walk onto the stage with as the last bit of advice ringing in his ears. But he's impetuous. He has a temper. Uh, he hates being put on the spot. He hates mm. not having the last word. And his questioners know that. So I think there is every chance that he will walk on and five minutes later he will have put the his legal team strategy in the in the bin and be going hell for leather uh, and getting himself into loads of legal peril yeah i just uh, i can't see him having the discipline to just sit there and soak it up and sort of yeah, stick to a line I know, really i know what you mean because we from everything we know of his personality, that's true, but he's a really experienced litigant, Yeah, right? He's always getting into trouble. He's <laughs> always being taken to court. So let's see. Does this all bring a sharper focus to the, to the midterms that are coming up? And, you know, if the Republicans win the House, could this just all be over, really? I don't think so. I mean, the committee has its composition, and that won't be changed, and it will reach its its conclusion. That won't be changed. It's just that if any particular results need to be passed, um, mm. they may be scuppered if there is a Republican House. But that isn't a given, right? Um, mm. Not every Republican loves Trump, and there are many who think this is an opportunity to be rid of him without actually um, ousting him, without actually having to battle him in public. Yeah. And it only takes a tiny number voting against the whip to achieve this. Yeah. So I think the assumption that a very small Republican majority in either house will somehow flip this on its head, I think that's quite misguided. Yeah. Because I think there are a lot of Republicans, not least of which Republicans with uh, ambition and aspirations for the leadership, that want him out of the way. Yeah, I mean, I suppose he, I don't really like parallels between Trump and Johnson, and I don't like to talk about Johnson anymore at all if I can avoid it. But this is one parallel where it's they all love him until it looks like he's a loser. And yeah. if it looks like he's not going to win, then what's the point in him? How is uh, how's Joe Biden going to be feeling about all of this? And what's he been up to in recent days? Um, Joe Biden made a statement about all the stuff we're talking about in, in part one of this, as it were. Um, so he openly criticised uh, the Truss Quateng plan and said he's really not surprised to see it being reversed to much pearl-clutching from um, conservative commentators like Tim Shipman, people like that. Uh, you know, how dare he interfere in our domestic affairs, which is just, I mean, utter mm. nonsense. Markets are global. I think they don't have a leg to stand on to complain that Biden has made a comment saying, well, yeah, it seemed obvious to me that this wasn't a, a thing that was going to go down well. Um, because the only basis I can see of it is, oh, my God, but we're Britain. We interfere in everyone else's economic choices, but no one can comment on ours. 
Well, uh, here at the bunker, we're actually stretching out our MO to comment a lot more on the United States with Bunker USA coming up from this Saturday. So I'm sure we'll get right into the weeds of how mm, Biden is so looking forward on. Alex, you did a daily looking at how President Xi has consolidated his power in China ahead of the start of the Communist Party Congress, which actually began yesterday. What can we glean from this so far? Well, the first thing we can glean, which is of interest again to the whole world, is something predicted by my guest on Saturday, um, Stephen Tsang. Um, There's no pivot on the dynamic zero COVID policy, as it's called. Mm. A lot of people expected that once Congress had begun and and, uh, Xi had consolidated his power, that he would begin to soften on lockdowns and closed borders and all of that. But as Professor Tsang said to me, when you're an authoritarian regime and you have suddenly been handed this gift Mm. of of a vehicle, um, to interfere in people's lives, to monitor their electronic communications, to lock them up in factories if you want to. You don't give that up easily. And so uh, many were surprised. I wasn't um, that there was no pivot on zero COVID. What more is to come this week? Are there likely to be any any sort of surprises down the line? Or does it look like this is just you know a, a power grab from Xi, which you might unfortunately, depressingly, expect it to be? Well, I mean, there's a lot of procedural stuff to come um, Mm. that will basically allow him to get over the convention that general secretaries of the party can only serve two terms, and then they tend to hand over power to a carefully chosen successor. So um, it, it is largely expected that all this procedural stuff will go his way and that by the end of the Congress he will be confirmed for another f- five years, which probably means he's now there for life, to be honest, um, because once you've gotten over those uh, procedural obstacles that mean you don't ha- have to hand over power, he's such a towering f- figure in Chinese politics that uh, it's really very difficult to see him not becoming another Mao. Looking over to uh, Russia's attack on Ukraine, Putin has said there will not be any more massive strikes for now. Is this out of choice or is it just because their missile reserves are dwindling, basically? I have to say what happened last week had a, a real feel of last throw of the dice to me. It it felt like, let's just throw everything at them as a response so that we still look vaguely powerful one last time. And Ukraine sort of took it. Um, There was another series of uh, strikes on Kiev this morning, but much, much smaller scale. And from what I was hearing on the news, life returned to normal pretty much 20 minutes later. Um, So these sporadic uh, strikes are, in my view, intended to terrorize rather than to actually um, hurt Ukraine in any strategic way. Um, but all these attacks, let's not forget, also deplete Ukraine's anti-missile um, and uh, uh, air defenses and stocks. 
So they will also need replenishing. And in fact, the, the defense secretary was saying something along those lines yesterday that, you know, the West needs to get supplies to them urgently in case there's another big barrage coming. And finally, protests in Iran following the death of Masa Amini are continuing. Uh, some 240 people have been killed, according to counts from human rights groups. Uh, Alex, what are the key flashpoints at the moment? And are there any signs of these demonstrations subsiding? No, there aren't. There's a, there's, there are signs that the demonstrations are spreading, at least geographically, mm. um, if not in terms of intensity. It looks to me as if there will have to be some sort of public concession, some sort of scapegoat. Maybe this will be the chief of police. Maybe it will be a military person, maybe a minister for internal affairs, maybe the PM himself. Hmm. Remember, it's the religious leadership um, that sits atop Iran, and and hmm. it will act at some point to ensure this doesn't get to them, as it were, um, because there is an equation there to be had, and at some point the, pro- the protests will tip over a particular... Um, size that basically demands action from the regime to try and stem the situation. And that's the end of another Start Your Week. Thanks for listening. Uh, The New Look Bunker is out every day with bite-sized politics podcasts on everything from the turmoil in Westminster to international politics. And we add context to this... uh, confusing world that we found ourselves in our companion podcast oh god now is also twice weekly search for oh god what now on your favorite app it's all made possible by patreon supporters like some of you so if you want to help search patreon bunker podcast find out how you do that you'll bet you'll get the podcast early without ads and you'll get to be the most interesting person in the pub the next time you go out if that wasn't enough there's a shout out on start your week too and here is some take it away alec a big Monday morning hug to Darren Shepherd, Jenny Stewart, Isabel Vogel, Rebecca Conroy and Christian Myers. Brilliant. Alex, thank you for getting up early this morning and joining me. My pleasure. The Bunker was presented by Jacob Jarvis with Alex Andre. Audio productions from me, Robin Lieber, and the producers of Yelena Sofronevich and Jacob Archibald with assistant production from Kasia Tomaszewicz. Lead producer is Jacob Jarvis. Group editor is Andrew Harrison. And our theme tune is by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production. <laughs>